uh, hello everyone. Uh, this is Manius Scamia, the Full Metal Archivist, uh, coming in for the second uh, special edition of this special election coverage. Uh, so today we're going to get uh, pretty, you know, right into this whole uh, interview that we have with um, uh, Angie Kano. So she's another one of the uh, folks that's running for the special election. Uh, her position is a little bit different than uh, you know, the position uh, that Ty just kind of uh, presented the, the other day. So we're hoping to give you that perspective as well. Uh, again, it's uh, been really interesting just kind of uh, launching this podcast and uh, getting the chance to sit down with uh, different folks whom, you know, on a personal level uh, might uh, find agreeable, but then on the political side, we, we disagree on things. And I think, you know, one of the intents of this particular podcast is to have everyone uh, kind of voice, defend, and you know, really uh, argue about the ideas uh, rather uh, than in, you know, any kind of particular um, animosity when it comes to uh, a person or, or anything else of that sort. So I, I really do uh, hope that you know we can continue to engage in uh, civil discourse. I believe in the idea of having good ideas kind of come out on top, and uh, we're just hoping that you know with this uh, you do see this as a service, and um, you know even uh, despite uh, those folks and uh, some of those uh, flyers out there, uh, you know making sure that everyone knows I'm a little bit left of center, which is which is totally true. Um, I believe more than anything, I think, in the idea of community. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things. If you embrace community, you're, you're going to have to embrace all members of that community. So with that uh, here, uh, let's go into the interview with Angie Connor. All right, so uh, now getting into the interview. Um, uh, Angie, uh, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Angie Cano. I'm a current planning commissioner in the city of Santa Ana. Um, graduated from public schools here in Santa Ana from elementary, high school, and went to UCI. Have lived here in Santa Ana for, I want to say, 19 years so far. Um, it's been great. I'm so proud of the city, and I just want the best for it. All right, awesome. So uh, how are you uh, handling uh, the whole uh, shutdown situation? Uh, pretty well. I think that there are many individuals that are getting so creative. Um, just recently, I was um, participating in the first art walk. Um, I don't know if you had the chance to participate in that yet, but um, local businesses in downtown Santa Ana got together um, on Saturday and they started selling things uh, virtually and then people would come pick it up and look at the art walk uh, online so that was pretty awesome i got to meet some of the business owners right there um by copper door was where the pickup was and then um, chapter one was one of them participating so i'll be participating again this saturday um just seeing so much creativity out there here in santa Ana. i think it's amazing if anything during this quarantine time we've gotten to see that site more and it's just fascinating um so just hanging in there like everybody else yeah no uh, absolutely and um yeah actually i will I'll, I'll be probably i guess then uh, participating alongside you as well so i'll be doing a little history presentation i think uh yinny um bernal wrote me in over there um in, in to, to do some stuff so it'll be uh an interesting experience i think we're all kind of being a little bit more creative uh, than usual because of this whole situation 
that was the the silver lightning out of everything after being um, in quarantine for the first month. Um, just having that positive attitude from our downtown business, it was amazing. They did such an amazing job, honestly. All right, well, good to hear. I, I missed the first one, so we'll see how that this one uh, turns out. Because yeah, I think the um, the way that uh, we handle our economic recovery, you know, it's going to be hard in a lot of our mom and papa retail operations out there. So um, you know, anything we can do to, to help them out is is always a good step in the right direction. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, the first thing I just want to know is like, um, you know, why are you running and kind of, you know, what, what is your vision here? Uh, so what, what are you looking to do? Um, so my position, um, even on the booklets and everywhere I've spoken has been no on the recall. And I believe um, that the community supported Ceci because she has had a lot of community involvement with the deaf community as a, um, a school board member, as someone who has worked with her nonprofit here in Santa Ana. It's just she was elected because of her merit. And so right now we have special interests coming in, spewing lies and trying to get rid of her at any cost to get someone that will agree with them. So um, so that's why I'm running. Um, I'm not ambitious to get my ego boosted and just sit at the city council and just give out, you know, to sell out to any special interest that comes to me and tells me we'll spend this much money on your mailers or walkers um, to boost your ego and you can sit at that chair. I, I'm not looking for that. Um, I'm volunteering my time. I'm doing everything I can to um, inform our community about how much this election is costing and why it's happening because you know the reason why we have this um, special election is because the police union president jerry serrano was not happy when he was said he was told no to his 25 million dollar salary raise so that's why we're here and and many people have come out and said that when they signed that petition, it was based on lies. I myself walked um, the community here um, by New Hope and McFadden, I believe. And I knocked on some doors, gave them my business card, asked them, hey, what did they tell you? They said, like, well, she doesn't support after school programs and all these different things and lies that they were just throwing out there because they were desperate for signatures. So I don't feel that's right. I don't know who in the right mind would think that lying to our community to get their signatures is okay. I personally do not. And I felt in my heart that it was the right thing to support the no on the recall platform. If something's going to be done, if someone's going to get recalled, it should be on the basis that they did something wrong for our community. They were sellouts. They took bribes. I don't know. I think that's the right basis, but that's not the case. And that's not the case here. And everything else is just excuses um, for the yes on the recall side. Okay, so you know, definitely a, you know, making a, a case there, and uh, you know, so again, um, you know, in, in uh, this podcast, we'll try to be as specific as, as we possibly can. So uh, you brought up two items, and you know, so the first section was on uh, special interests. So uh, when you're referring to kind of special interest on the. Um, city council referring specifically to who, and then um, you know the exact amount of uh, or the rough amount of uh, money that it's costing the city. If you can answer those two uh, for me, please. Yes, yes. Um, so special interests. You know, when people run for office, you're always going to have supporters. It could be your mom. It could be a local business. It could be a special interest. That could be any union that. It's from the carpenters, the labor union, a teachers union. You name them. They they throw a lot of money, sometimes even throw $50,000 on school board races. And that's just how it has worked for many years. Um, you know, the question just comes, 
are you are you going to just be saying yes to them every time they come for vote? That's when you start questioning people because you know um, you have friends and when they come and give you, let's say $10, they're saying like, you know, I believe in your cause, I believe in your ideas, and I'm just gonna give you this, no strings attached. And then you have someone out of those five friends that you ask that will say, okay, never mind. you know what? I'll do 10 times that, I'll give you $100. But in return, you need to give me this. That's when it gets messy, when every time that one person that gave you so much money comes towards you, and you just keep saying yes to them, that's when you start questioning the integrity of people. And in this case, it's the Santa Police Officer Association under Jerry Serrano's leadership, because he's the one that's spearing this yes recall platform that you know spent a lot of money on council members. Just recently, we're having a discussion online on Facebook um, where council member Peñalosa he is saying that, uh, I'm going to quote him, there's no need to lie and try to orchestrate things. Clearly, you're just torn. Um, also, if you're going to spew lies, please back them up. Can you show me where the POA paid me? And, you know, there are a lot of reports that show that they spent close to $100,000 on walkers, on his mailers, on his campaign. He had no merit with our community. I've never seen him on a commission. I've never seen him on a neighborhood meetings. I never heard of him until this, um, he came out of, I don't know where, thin air. <laughs> and so that's how it works. Um, so I don't believe in just winning because a special interest spends so much money on you when you obviously have not even lifted a finger for the community before that. Well, wow. so okay, so those are definitely uh, strong, strong words, uh, Angie. So uh, I think we'll, we'll, in all fairness, have to have uh, Pedalozo on on to, to defend his his record as well. Um, so, but I do appreciate the uh, the candor and the the honesty, and I think that's what we're we're all trying to kind of understand, um, you know, how how we got here. So you know, definitely uh, appreciated. And um, yeah. it kind of it leads me uh, to the question. This is really more on a, a more of a policy question too. Um, you know, so would you be in support of something like a, a localized? Um, publicly financed um, elections, so we can start taking some of this money out of um, out of our local elections. And I know for me, it's something that I've looked into, but I'm just like trying to figure out how we do it. Uh, but I would like mm-hmm. to, to see uh, or hear your perspective um, on something like that. I am 100% with you because you know people are pressured to just find the ways to get the most pot of money. And they're desperate because they already have a limit of $1,000, so they can't go above above that with their own committees. So they now have to rely on PACs where we're not sure where that money is coming from, where it's special interest spending so much money, but in the end, they're not giving it out for free. You know, there's always that nothing is for free in the world. Not, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, so, you know, it should just be $1,000 per person's committee and PACs should not be, they should also have a limit, PACs and special interests. They should also have a limit to make it a fair so that actually the portion that actually affects the election is that person's um, community merit. That should be the biggest reason why a person wins. People know them. People have known their work. They know them by name. They've seen them probably grow in this community. And that shouldn't be tainted by people who are going to spend thousands of dollars on someone who nobody knows and God knows where they came from. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yep. All right. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. I definitely, um, we'll see if we can get someone on, um, 
that's an expert in kind of campaign finance law and reform because I, I think that is a really big topic um, that affects us nationally. But then it's like, you know, how how does that trickle down to our local elections? And you know, if we can't do anything um, at the county at the state level, um, you know, at least starting local and kind of providing a good example, I think it's a generally good good direction to go. Um, and uh, one of the things we'll, we'll do for for the audience as well, we're going to uh, put in a link to the. Um, I guess the camp- campaign uh, finance contributions uh, for the current election. So we'll make sure to pop, pop that into the link uh, for for this episode. And um, you know, we kind of um, you know moving on with the the interview in a little bit is um, you know what um, you know if you were to be elected. So I, I know your your position here is that no, uh, but obviously let's say this is a hypothetical. Then you know, if the recall passes, and um, now the second choice for the for the folks is who do they vote for? So what exactly um, are you advocating for? As a, as a council member? Um, well, my first priority is that we need different ideas, not just the same ideas at city council. Uh, there was one vote that really highlighted that when council member Cecilia Iglesias led the discussion on fighting for our community's funds that were stolen from Measure X. You know, it just takes one person to stand up and then more will follow. And that's what we've seen, that she didn't agree with the majority of the city councils taking away uh, from Measure X money that could have fixed our awful looking streets that when it rains, they just flood horribly. Um, So she stood up and said, um, no, I will not agree with that. And, you know, if we didn't have a voice like that, um, we have another person that just agrees and you know, the special election, um, we don't need new people that the community doesn't know. Um, we need someone that the community already knows and voices for them. You know, the people, if they believe that, you know, what they did to Measure X money wasn't just, then they should vote for Cecilia Iglesias and I. We have advocated constantly against it. We're part of the community. We've always been here. We'll continue. We didn't just pop out of thin air. Um, and, you know, when it came to the Yale shelter, which affects Ward 6 in our community, it's the most um spoken of issue in Ward 6, Ceci and I have shown up to speak at the County Board of Supervisors meetings at 9 a.m. with the parents of Godinez and the community. And we've spoken to Univision about it. We've done so much because we don't want to see the quality of life in our community uh, go down, especially because we have so many homeless shelters in our area already. So um, this is very important to me, um, and like I said before at the at the debate that we had, I've never seen Ms. Taifan or Ms. Mendoza at any of these meetings, which are very important in Ward 6, and so we need people that understand, but they just don't say pretty words, and they tell you they care, that homelessness is their number one priority, but don't show up. You know, it's just, I don't need actors to come and tell me what should be done. I want to see actions because that to me is very important. All right. So you you brought up the, the Yale shelter. And you know, to me, it's one of these um, conundrums where the shelter is proposed to basically shut down another, another shelter um, there in the downtown area, right? So if we're looking at uh, the number of schools in the surrounding like half mile mile that's immediately around um the bus station then you have about you know two to three or four actually you know, schools like in, in that you know particular area and, and i know that there are school impacts as well on on the yale site um but like how do you balance um you know trying to choose between different sites or you know a, a um a proactive way to kind of move forward with that you know kind of what is the uh, the end result that you would like to see there kind of coming out of this entire debate around yale 
Yeah, so for many years, like recently, the most recent failed shelter that the county couldn't push for was in Irvine. And the reason why that failed was because the community rose up and they have the time to go come to these meetings. And I even heard they paid community members to come out. So, you know, we don't have those resources, obviously. Um, if we did, we would all pitch in and try to get people to, to pay them off for the day so they can come and show up. But our families can't afford that. They can't afford to lose salaries when they make $50,000. Uh, minimum, um, that's their average salary in Santa Ana. So it's just, they take advantage of that. You know, they try to push shelters here um, when we have done, we have carried the weight of homelessness in our city and South County cities just seem to keep pushing it towards our city. And to me, that's not fair. You know, it's like a group project and they just make one person take on the whole responsibility and they're like, nope, nope. We're not going to do it. You do it. And, you know, that's not okay. That's why it's so important to stand up for our community because our community needs that voice, someone who will show up and not just say that that's their number one priority, but actually show up and be their voice, support them, encourage them, tell them to come out. We, you know, I saw um, some teachers coming out that don't live here they drove all the way in the morning and you know it was just so inspiring to see that and we just need to stand together as a community all right now um are there any uh, specific organizations that are, are working with that that we can kind of like can you can you point us to um i know that there was at least one teachers uh in kind of school uh union that was kind of coming out with that so i'm, I'm just trying to find um out like who else yeah. is kind of working on that right now um, well, Council Member Iglesias was the first one that showed up to those meetings um, because she does represent Ward 6 and she saw that, you know, that's not okay. And some of the p- first people that showed up with her were the school board members, um, uh, Valeria Mesqua and John Palacio. They showed up to those first meetings. And after that, the community just followed. They they understood that it was so close. When they found out it was so close to their kids, we had parents come and cry and said, you know, can you go to work knowing that there'll be all these homeless? Because we, we get to see it. You know, I, I live on Ward 6 and when I drive down Fairview by Stair Brothers, there's a lot of homeless that just, you know, loiter there. No one does anything about it. Um, and so we know that this is just going to add up to what we already see and what we have to deal with in our schools. And you know, there were reports shown of how many homeless people have come into the schools and caused chaos within them. The police came and shown other other crime reports growing. It just it did it that that idea of having a shelter there. It just doesn't fit. Uh, so I'm glad they just opened a new shelter in South County. That is a big victory for our community. And so we do have to give credit where it's due. And that was a major for our community that they did that all right well you know thanks sir for that um so the issue of homelessness um if not directly at least indirectly is um you know tied into a lot of our kind of a debates that we're having here around around housing um and you know, just the overall affordability of it so a lot of uh residents have kind of been wondering you know so what the what your particular stance is on rent control and you know both in particular when it comes to commercial rent control and residential uh, rent control yeah, so when I was in the Community Redevelopment and Housing Commission, we realized that we were close to meeting our mandated state uh, requirements for affordable housing when other cities in Orange County were so behind. And it's the same thing that happens with homelessness. Santa Ana takes all the burdens. Santa Ana is always doing so much. And, you know, our city does have a huge heart and they do a lot. 
But again, other cities have to do their fair share because we do have state requirements that they do have to meet. And they're not even close. I think it was like 30% in some cities. It's just really awful. Um, but that's something that the director of the Community Development Commission can share with you and other uh, fundings that they've done. Um, so I don't feel that we need to push more for Santa Ana, more shelters or more rent control or more things like that. Even when I was studying economics at UCI, we discussed this issue where we saw a case study in Mexico where they put a cap on bread under President Benito Juarez, which was because they wanted no one to starve. And that's, you know, that's... Um, that's a positive outlook for the community, but the people, the bread makers, it really affected them because they were not able to make ants meat out of making bread. So it wasn't a good policy. So right now with uh, COVID-19 happening with businesses losing revenue in Santa Ana, because we don't have Disneyland in Santa Ana. We don't have the angel stadiums in Santa Ana. Most of these properties are owned by Latino parents. My parents, it took them years to own a property here. Um, their business as well. And there are so many Vietnamese business owners. There are so many Latino business owners here in Santa Ana, any, every ethnicity. Um, it's very diverse, one of most of the diversities. And if I could get the statistics as to how many minorities own property here, we would see a clear picture of how we can better support them and not really cap the revenue that's coming in because they already are not making money from their business. They're shut down. So how are we going to cap the revenue that they're getting from rents and things like that to pay for um, their own uh, property taxes that we have had so many bonds that have added so many property taxes to them. We have added the highest sales tax on them. And to just add that extra burden during these times on them, I just don't think it's the right time. And that's something that we all have to always look. When is it the right time? Is it really is it really necessary in the city or can other cities do that? You know, so that's important. And we need to look at hard data that, you know, I cannot really ask at this moment because I'm not in the Community Development Housing Commission or um, an appointed city council. But, you know, that's something that definitely we have to look when it's the right time to do. Right. And um, I, I definitely agree with you. one particular point of your observation in that we do have a large segment of uh, minority um, landowners. Um, in, in the city of Santa Ana, but at least for my understanding of the data, we're kind of just looking at the, the, the different uh, property records is we have relatively low ownership of commercial property. So like thinking about like our strip malls, um, anything that ends up being kind of like an office and, and those sorts of investments and even larger kind of apartment complexes where the ownership patterns tend to be kind of out of city uh, owners, either from like venture capital firms or just kind of major um major in investment operations in the city of Irvine, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and kind of even sometimes some international money. So that, you know, those, that money and kind of some of that rent on the, um, on those more commercial operations tend to be outside of the city versus a lot of the property owners that we have in our residential uh, neighborhoods that are remarkably kind of owned, uh, you know, uh, uh, home, um, sorry, what is it, um, owner-occupied. Uh, so th there are there are those patterns. I would love to really get into the, the details of that data because I don't think I ever uh, did. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in knowing them as well because, you know, we don't want to like burden our own community with uh, more um, with less revenue, especially during these times. Uh, it's just not right. But like I said, we do need the hard data to make those decisions and not trying to say that we need to uh, 
put more burdens on uh, other um, eth ethnic groups. That's not the case. But, you know, we have to realize that Senate is one of the most diverse cities in Orange County. And we are going to have um, a lot of owners being Latino, being Asians. And, you know, just when you go to the swap meet, you ask for the owner. It's um, an Asian property owner. And sometimes they're Latino. And, and that's the experience that I've had when speaking to property owners. Um, but definitely, we I can't make assumptions from that. We have to look at the numbers but yeah yeah and uh, that's all uh, buried in our property records i think it's over at the uh, orange county assessor's office um but unfortunately uh, well unfortunately those um those rolls uh, cost money to, to, to get copies of and um i would love a researcher to kind of dive into that i think that would be a, a, a really interesting we about, project <laughs> we have a lot of projects and homework to do <laughs> yeah well, we do I, and that's the thing though but i, I do you know always prefer you know, a data-driven approach to, to policy making um that way we can kind of you know, take a look and say like all right you know are these questions that we need to dig into a little bit more um yeah but a lot yeah. of this is uh you know kind of coming in from our own uh, different uh, philosophical and, backgrounds and i want to add that even if we didn't have a lot of asian and Hispanic owners here in Santa Ana, what are we doing to improve that? Are we just gonna cap the rents that they can take? Because that wouldn't be an incentive for them to be property owners. So what can we do to incentivize them to instead of just renting a location, take hopefully one day take ownership because I think that's the American dream. You know, when my dad came here to do tie on marble, he was um he still didn't have citizenship and he came here with a work permit. He had so many dreams as an 18-year-old kid. And for him to own his own property for his business, it's it's been a dream. And I'm sure there are so many dreamers like him here in Santa Ana that need that extra support. And we need to see more of those Latino families taking ownership of property. I would love to see that. I think that's a great goal to have for our city. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, some of the studies that came out of um, uh, China, uh, kind of different Chinatown models um, were essentially you know, localized um, public serving banks that were kind of focused on providing um, money resources and just kind of general business advice to local um, Chinese kind of uh, property owners it really helped prevent at least a lot of displacement for, for a significant portion of time. So, you know, the kind of having some of that ownership really helps uh, prevent uh, gentrification in, in the long term. Uh, it, it's really difficult to do, I think, when the the cost has already kind of gone so high up. So, you know, all these things could have been done like in the 80s and it would have been a different story. Um, but, you know, kind of looking forward, uh, definitely something that to look into to increase local ownership. I totally agree yeah. there. Yeah, where, where there's a will, there's a way. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, so let's see. I, I do, um, you know, have a, a question about, um, you know, kind of a, a future potential development site. So you are a planning uh, commissioner and you know, have you uh, taken any sort of a, a public position on uh, potential development over at the Willowick site? I have not. You know, I've read some of the Orange County Register articles and my brother, he's a big golf fan golf. He has played since high school in the Willowick and, you know, it. We do love it a lot, you know. We just have like a bias there a little bit, but um, for me, you know, when I need to make um, a suggestion on, on on the commission, I do like to speak to the community. Like that's just what council members in the glasses, Iglesias and I just do. We knock on those doors and we get to know and you know answer questions because some of the community members sometimes they get misinformation you know like with the signature gathering and so we just try to understand like hey so what have you been told um and then come back to the city and um the city staff and ask them you know this is what they're saying is this true and compare and contrast what's been said and what's actually going to be done 
And so that's very important. I haven't had the chance to do that. Um, so I haven't really defined my position in Willowick yet. Okay. Um, you know, so I guess we'll, you'll be taking some more, more questions on that one, I'm sure, in, in, yeah. from the audience. Um, the Let's see. I, I think we might have actually gone over some of the, the other questions because I, I was trying to be as uh, fair as I could uh, for all the different um, candidates that are coming up here. So trying to give you at least some of the same questions, but um, you know, still kind of having this a uh, little you know, more free form. But I do want to ask, what, what is your current relationship then with, with the POA? You know, this is going to be a major bargaining unit um, with the city. So what exactly is your relationship there? Um, when, in 2018, um, Jerry Serrano approached, approached council members, Cecilia and I, to support us um, in our campaigns to run for city council. And both of us said no, you know, and we've never had a bad relationship with him until um, he wasn't happy that he got a no vote for his $25 million raises and pensions. Um, so, you know, it's all how he takes things. And he. this is the leadership that the POA has, unfortunately. And I cannot, you know, just accept support or have a good relationship with someone like Jerry Serrano who threatens, who has spent so much money on yes mailers, on all these things when, you know, that money could have gone to scholarships, you know, $700,000 for the special election. And I think he spent, uh, I don't know, over half a million dollar. I don't know how much he spent so far on the on, on, against council member Sidney Iglesias. Imagine putting that into education and with all that's going on with the pandemic back into our community. Um, that would have made a major positive impact. So yeah, so I I do believe our officers are doing such a great job. Not the ones that might be part of Jerry's operation to. Um, put down our names because, you know, they do, they are doing, um, when they were going to do the debate, he mentioned that he was going to put two officers to come and speak on behalf of the yes recall, but they backed down. Um, they just never show their faces. So we don't know who these people are. And unfortunately, that's the leadership they have. Hopefully it changes. Hopefully it's someone that's, um, that actually cares about improving safety in Santa Ana and really cares about our community. So relationships can be improved, but you know, you just can't build a relationship with someone like Jerry Serrano. All right. Well, the, yeah, that's a, it's it's a lot to to unpack there. And I think it kind of speaks to the, um, a lot of kind of concerns that we're, we're having as we enter this um, budget downturn. Uh, yeah, referencing the twenty-five million dollar increase in in um, payments. So, uh, how are you know how are you uh, you know, planning on you know, if, you, if elected um, handling the particular economic crisis that we're in and the budgetary crisis? Uh, we, we do have the crisis is happening because we've lost a huge chunk of our funds already, and you know my prediction. And you're going to quote me on this. Um, you know, mo- there are going to be more salary raises and more pension raises um, with the majority right now that we have, because that's how this works. This is how it has always worked for Santa Ana. And Ceci is just not one of those people that blindly just say yes to their supporters. You know, if she doesn't believe in something, she'll say no. And if she believes in something, it's because she did her research. She understands how that's going to affect the budget. And I'm the same way. If I know it's going to, put this down in a hole where we haven't even paid our debts from years past and when we have the highest sales taxes in comparison to any other Orange County city 
and we're giving away money freely to our supporters. You know, that's that's not okay. That's not going to help us with our budget at all. But unfortunately, that's how it has been for many years. And I just hope that changes to really, really have a good, healthy budget to really fix our roads, to really fix our city and not just always say we don't have enough money, you know? Right. Um, right. But this seems to be like yeah, two tensions there, right? It's like we need to either cut the spending and, and less resources or is it uh, raising the revenue? Um, so you know, that tension is one of those things that, um, um, you know, maybe if we, we were to dive into more specifics as to, you know, what um, would be a decent revenue generator versus something that impacts our, our family, our working families more disproportionately. Um, but, you know, th- that's a hard thing to balance, right? It's like, do we have more services and more funds or do we kind of cut the revenue and re- reduce services? And I, I think that that's uh, probably a bit of a, the kind of adult conversation to have with the residents is what are we willing to accept for the level of service, you know, and the level of taxation here locally? Right. And, you know, when you look at the budget, it's always 90 percent is going to salary raises and pensions. And is that something the community is okay with? Like, are they willing to support that and why? And are they okay to continue that same legacy for the city? You know, it's it's a question that, yeah, definitely needs to go back to our community. All right. So, you know, I think we talked about Ceci a lot, and um, I know I haven't formally invited her on here yet, but I did want to actually get the the candidates in first, uh, and then uh, hoping that um, Ceci will will be able to join us as well, Um, you know, so she can kind of defend uh, herself and kind of, you know, let uh, her positions be known, which I I don't think that Ceci has a problem with uh, uh, letting uh, other people know her opinions on subjects. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe in the best uh, possible way. The... um, you know, the thing that's kind of, I guess, the elephant in the room, and quite literally the the elephant in the room uh, for you, is that you um, you and Ceci are essentially uh, kind of two of our local um, Republican elected in uh, commission members, right? It's uh, you, uh, you and uh, essentially Ceci and Juan Viegas being our, our local kind of more conservative members of the dais. And I, I don't know how operating as a conservative uh, Latina in the city of Santa Ana, like how that's kind of impacted the way that you operate or um, either opened or closed doors for you. If we can talk talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So when it comes to lo- local politics, they are not there. There's you don't they don't really ask you for a party because most of these things have to do with the understanding of your community. Um, I, that's why I love local politics over national politics because there's just so much that we know as our community members that we can't be told by um, our state or our by our Congress because we're just so local and so focal. Um, so. Um, yeah, so I think that just knowing your community locally, it really helps you shape policies and party preferences, conservative, being conservative. Uh, we already have a very liberal city council. Do we want to see the same ideas? Do we want to see people that always say yes and agree within themselves? We need people that, like Sassy, she said, no, I don't agree with this um, race. It's going to hurt our budget. No. And, you know, because there are a lot of people that disagree with her at that council, she's been, people have been spending a lot of money and bashing her and she's the lone, the lone standing person in that position. So 
for me, it's been the same way. You know, I always think that I, I've grown in California. I went to UCI. I definitely met a lot of liberal friends that I have a great relationship with. And I have conservative friends as well that I have an amazing relationship with. And we all share ideas and we all get along. And I think that's very important to be open just because someone doesn't support one of your policies doesn't mean they hate you or your policies they just think it should be done differently and that's important to have differences of opinions and different ideas yeah no i i uh, completely agree with uh, with you on that and yeah for me i think um you know, when i got or decided to, to kind of step into more uh public facing um a persona, I think part of it ended up being because I, I didn't feel represented uh, particularly because I, I tend to be a little bit more left of center. Um, I, I think that we can do things in, in completely different ways and kind of reevaluating government for the 21st century. And, um, you know, just being willing to try new things, I, I think, is something that we're, we're definitely missing here locally. And having a variety of uh, different perspectives uh, will help, help I, I hope, help out with that. Um, you know, on a personal level, I think I'm still worried about uh, the impacts of money even in our ward-based election system, like I honestly don't know like how that's going to turn out. So I'm I'm very curious, um, you know, how November turns out, and you know how, whether or not money is going to sway uh, elections because they have to be on a much smaller district. So maybe you know the the five thousand dollars that you have now only has to go to a couple of neighbors rather than to um, the entire city. So that, that's going to be I think be a very interesting experience, and um, you know whoever comes in both with this special election, you know, whatever happens. And then uh, come November, I think we're going to have a totally different makeup. And um, if we can't talk to each other, then I think we're already in, uh, starting off on a, a bad foot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I know that you have to go pretty soon. We have about the, a couple, it seems to me about seven minutes left or so. Um, is there anything you'd want to, wanted to add? Um, well, just... I, I do feel that this recall is not going to go through. You know, we had the city of Westminster, Mayor Trita, Vice Mayor Kimberly Ho, and Chris Charlie Nguyen. Uh, they spent a lot of money to, you know, these people are community-based. They know their community. They have built their roots. They did not just come out of thin air, and people are trying to remove them and spending millions of dollars. They fought the good fight, and the community knows their work. They know them, and um, they beat the recall, and that's how it works, and I have faith that pretty sure that says he's going to beat this recall as well and so but if for those who disagree you know hopefully they'll support me in city council because we do need people that have different ideas in that council you can't just have the same idea we need people that will come with new ideas like we were talking about this whole pandemic session has been about being creative about being creative and showing you creativity and just having new ideas and we should always support that and if we can have something like that in the council um, we should 100 percent embrace it and not be afraid of change or differences of opinion so that's why i'm known to recall and also to select me as the alternative um, angie cano for that position all right well um angie i appreciate your your time here and um well uh w- wish you luck on uh, everything there and uh, all the different uh, hard decisions you have to make at the, the planning commission uh, as well and uh, you know that uh, you'll be uh, amongst all these people that are going to be constantly kind of involved here locally so um yeah just uh, thank you i don't know if you have anything uh, you'd want to ask me or we'll go on from there and uh just uh, no i just want to thank you for everything um i like you know we had some common ground some things and that's how it should always be just being cordial about it so thank you for having me i appreciate um your your professionalism and um we'll, we'll we have a lot of projects to work on 
<laughs> yep, uh, most definitely. It's a it's a compl- it's a big, complicated city in a very complicated um, you know, part of the world, right? Uh, the, the Southern California region. You know, we have like what twenty three million plus folks uh, all around us. Um, lots of issues around housing, homelessness, um, the way cities operate. It's 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 a fascinating place to live, and I think that we all kind of uh, love our hometown in in a variety of different ways. And uh, you know, you're being involved at least, right? At, at the very least, uh, no one can can say that you're not uh, throwing yourself out there. Yeah, I did not come out of thin air, raising my hand. (laughs) All right. Well, well, thank you very much, Angie. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. All right. So, you know, that was another interesting uh, interview. Uh, You know, thank you again for tuning in. So all those folks that are participating and uh, listening and, uh, you know, being willing uh, guests to come on to the show. So it's going to be a very interesting special election. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, Everything can be uh, surprising. I think the the, the thing that I always noted, or uh, I'm always surprised by is just how surprising everything still is. And, um, you know, we don't really know what the turnout will be. That's going to be decided by you, the the voter, uh, your families, and kind of, you know, the community of Santa Ana at large. So uh, today, just to kind of uh, lead us out of this other uh, special interview is a band, uh, Time and Energy. So thank you, uh, Time and Energy, for devoting yourself to our local community and living out uh, the lives of artists and uh, giving us a song on the block today that we're going to be heading out with. Uh, Thank you to Angie Cano for being on the show. Uh, Again, uh, Edgar Silva, not Silver. I made a mistake last time, but it is Edgar Silva uh, over here at the Iron Lion slash uh, Michael Scott Paper Company Studios. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And again, any suggestions, comments, uh, feedback, totally appreciated. And I hope to see you next time. It's true.